This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so thrilled you're here. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging, and my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a journey, not a destination. I am Sandy Scarlatta, America's happiness coach, author of Happiness Solved, I'm also a retired U.S. national and international figure skating coach. I have a gold medal in ice dancing. I've been a certified life coach since 2004, and I've been inspiring others to shift their mindset and choose happiness for over 20 years. I am so excited to share that my next book is coming out soon. I am a co-author in the fastest growing personal development book series in the world with Jim Lutz and Jim Britt. The really cool thing is that the foreword was written by the one and only Les Brown, and for my copies, I'm on the cover with him. If you would like a free copy when it's available, email me at sandy at sandyscarlotta.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I am so grateful for you. Today's guest is Sarah K. Ramsey. Sarah is a professional problem solver and high-conflict relationship expert. She helps people unravel complicated situations and complex personalities so they can move forward faster, both professionally and personally. So, of course, I am so excited for today's interview. Hi, Sarah. How are you today? It's so great to see you. I am happy to be here and happy to talk about happiness. <laughs> Thank you. That's like a prerequisite, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're, we're only going to, well, we talk about some things, but it always leads back to, to happiness, regardless of mm -hmm. the conversation. So you are the best-selling author of Becoming Toxic Person Proof. Did I say that correctly? Yeah. I did. You did. It's like bulletproof. The toxic person proof. Yes. yes. And that's such an important conversation because so often you're surrounded by people that are just toxic. Mm -hmm. and Statistically, it's, it's around one in 10, though, you know, so you have one in 10 people who probably have like a real personality disorder or just something just truly toxic. Um, then you might have some other people who you disagree with, you don't get along with as well. That's not in the category of toxic. Uh, the concerning thing is there's a lot of debate on what causes toxic personalities. How much is nature? How much is nurture? How much is trauma? How much are they just born more selfish? Some kids are born more musical. I believe some people are born more selfish. Makes like, sense. Right? And we just don't like it because it's sicky. Um, I don't like it. I wish, you know, I got to just tell people about bunnies and rainbows and unicorns. Um, but this is my <laughs> this is my quest. Uh, cons more concerningly, um, people in their 20s, there are many more toxic personalities in their 20s than take people who were in their 60s when they were in their 20s. You know, it's not a maturity or an age thing. It's there's actually more personality disorders in people in their 20s um, and younger, which really makes sense considering how many kids are struggling with 
anxiety and mental illness. I'm not saying they're all toxic by any means, but they may have more toxic friends. They may be experiencing more online bullying and those types of things or more friend issues or more friends struggling with mental health issues. Um, So experts are all agreeing that it's on the rise, though there's some disagreement on why. Well, I can totally, I mean, I agree with that 100%. And now, do you think that has anything to do with just the way that we've raised these kids in this environment where they all have their cell phone at, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, whatever? Um, they're on social media from a young age and they're comparing themselves to everybody else. Like, Like, what part does that play in it? Well, I did a master's thesis on screen time and children before anyone was talking about this. Like, wow. so uh, 12 years ago, I did a master's thesis. So we didn't see what happened when you gave young kids cell phones. Like there wasn't data on that yet. Um, but what I can say is um, I would never have made the suggestion to change the music in my father's car. Mm-hmm. Right. I would never, never have said, in a million years. change the channel. I don't like this song. Okay. My kids are pretty well behaved. They're, you know, they're pretty well behaved. They would not think a thing of telling me to change. Right. And so there's just some real, we call them iGen, iPhone, iPad, I, right. They have literally had less years of practice not getting what they want. Yeah. Right. They don't have to watch what their parents want to on TV. They have their own TV. Right. They don't have to like, oh, it's my brother's turn to watch their show. It's always their turn because they have their own personalized, you know, you have that piece, you have the, um, you know, they have less, less face-to-face social practice than previous generations. They have literally less hours in face-to-face conversation than any previous generation. Oh, I can believe it. I mean, my son's 21 and in college and I watch this. Well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know? So you're gonna have less empathy. If I send you a text, Sandy, that says, I hate your shirt, Who? what kind of stupid person would ever wear the color white, right? And I don't see your face react to like, wow, that was, really hurtful that I just think, huh, that was fun. I'll just do it again. Right. There's no, there's not that human reaction where it's like learned. Oh, that seemed to be ugly. I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Right. We're losing that empathy. Well, and I also think that those things need to be said. Well, they shouldn't be said number one, because you shouldn't be criticizing other people anyway. It's not Mm -hmm. your, your, your job in life. And it's a reflection on you as a person. However, you know, there's just certain things that shouldn't be said over a text message, right? Sure. You know, now you have people ending, you know, engagements over text messages, mm-hmm. ending marriages over text messages. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not okay anymore. And, and how are we going to get back to where we were before short of, you know, losing cell phone coverage? <laughs> we're not. Right. I mean, we're not. And again, this has been a passion project of mine well before I started getting into the toxic people conversation. Right. So, I mean, that was 12 years ago. I did that master's thesis and I was just like, man, this seems like 
it's going to change the world. You know, some of it's for the better. And you and I can connect in ways that we probably would have never met in real life. Um, I've had a conversation with people from Norway. And my podcast is my podcast is called Toxic Person Proof. And it's, you know, trending in Ireland. and You know, I mean, it's all these. There's been some lovely pieces of this. And not so lovely pieces. And, you know, I do believe we can say, okay, this person's more naturally musical and this person's more naturally athletic. Like that, people are very comfortable saying some children are born with a natural bent towards certain or artistic or just really friendly or extroverted or a good poet, right? You know, we're very comfortable in that. Where we get uncomfortable is this child is seemingly my, I'll say it on camera. My daughter is like better at getting what she wants than my son is. He's like trying to pay me for gas for like, he's just so like sweet nature. And we're like, Brady, you can't give away all your toys when like the other kids come over and they say, I want to take that toy home. You're just like, okay, I'll give you that toy. You know, I mean, that's his natural bent. My daughter, I, I don't think she's toxic. I sure hope not, not calling her toxic, but you know, she has a more natural bent to like, hmm, that's not a good deal for me. Yeah. Okay. Right? She understands <laughs> that process, which in many ways, I'm less worried about her than my son. You know, he's just so nice. <laughs> he's so sweet. Um, and she's sweet too, but she's better able to navigate that. And then you have some kids who are just born more manipulative. Mm-hmm. They're born more selfish. They're more comfortable at spewing their anger. Right? It, they're just more naturally angry or irritable or frustrated or whatever. And that's where it gets into a really tricky conversation right because you know just like as i was born very musical no matter how hard my parents had tried i never would have been more athletic i'm just i cannot catch something if it flies at my face yeah if they had hired me pitching lessons and catching lessons and i would have been miserable right but it gets into and there's not a solution i'm not i'm not offering a solution here but you know it gets into a really tricky conversation when you then say like well what if your kid is just selfish and angry and manipulative and really good at getting out of what they're supposed to be doing yeah that's tricky right that's tricky their natural bent so it's a tricky everything about this is a complicated conversation but i think it's a conversation that has been ignored for decades Mm. and people are no willing, they're no longer willing to ignore it. Yeah. No, I I hear, I hear you. Now, when it comes to nature versus nurture, when you were talking about your kids, Mm -hmm. I started thinking about my own son and I remember reading a book when he was a baby and it was like, give them choices. Right. Right. Worst advice I've ever been given for my particular son, maybe because He's got maybe in his DNA a little bit more from his father and his grandfather, who were both lawyers, mm-hmm. that kind of negotiation, the kind of like, mm-hmm. that. Like I think it's part that. But then I taught him how to negotiate. And by the time he was three years old, it was, it was like everything was a negotiation. And I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? <laughs> and he's probably, he, my guess is, probably naturally bent that way anyway. I don't know how much of that was your fault, you know? Just right. like my daughter's very naturally competitive. I have to have her in healthy 
now as a parent, I can find healthy ways for her to compete so she doesn't have like social friend issues or whatever. But man alive, if I didn't have her in these very competitive sports and, and ways for that to, you know, just like your son, if he becomes a lawyer, that could be a, my husband's good at negotiating. That's a very like, yeah, great skill. Right. When, it, when it's put to good use and a terrible skill. When it's put to bad use. Right. I mean, I know that it's a skill that's going to serve him and he has decided not to go to law school, but he's probably going to go into more of a sales field, which that is going to be fantastic. Um, And it wasn't like a major issue, if you will. It's just as a parent, it was like, oh, there's days I'm like, I'm not a short order cook. This is what's for dinner. Well, no, mom, I don't want that. I want that. You know, that's when it got tricky that I didn't. I was like, what did I do? Right. And that has changed, right? right? I mean, you parented in a way that if I am not a short order cook and I say things like, tough luck, this is what we're having, you better eat it or you're going to starve, that used to be considered good parenting. Now that's considered, I would be almost considered neglectful. Right. Right. You're not catering to your, and that's not your fault. I mean, that's society has changed. And we think about it, you know, I do a lot of counseling and coaching and not counseling, coaching and dating and, you know, ways to not get manipulated and all these kinds of things. And what we don't think is, okay, I have been this short order cook because that was what is expected of me in, you know, one of the things is kids um, sports, right? It is completely socially acceptable to run up your credit cards, not save for retirement, and to spend all your money on your kids' sports. That huh. is socially acceptable at this time. Really? And if you huh. never see your husband and never exercise and never take care of yourself because you're always at practice, you're just a martyr mother and you're being a good mom. Mm. Okay. Right? That's socially acceptable, okay. I think. Maybe you've seen something different, right? Well, I've been out of that world for a long time, a, a good oh. five, six years, because my son... Praise. Praise you. You are lucky. You're lucky. No, I mean, I just have so many friends and it's like, what? You missed your child's, you didn't sit through ball practice for three hours. Like you went and did, you went to the grocery store instead of being at ball practice. And it's like, that was very normal when we were being raised. Like my mom wasn't sitting there and like watching me forever. And now it's considered like, but, but my child is the most important thing to me. And my children are still the most important thing to me, but there's some, we've lost the balance of, it's considered good parenting for your world to revolve around your children. I don't agree with that. And I know that that's what's the trend, right? Studies studies are showing it's detrimental to our children, right? Like their mental health, and they haven't even gotten into marriage, you know? And I just think, okay, so when does your daughter expire? May right. I ask when your daughter expires? Right. And they're like, what are you talking about? I said, well, everything revolves around her. All the money, she gets what she wants. You know, she gets catered to. Every decision, it doesn't matter if you as a parent are saving for retirement or if you have money. You don't want to tell your daughter no, so we'll just, you know, cater to her. Is that the expectation of her husband? Right. Is Are you preparing her for a lifetime of debt so her husband doesn't ever say no right. to her? That's right. Or, like... And when I say it that way, people are a little bit horrified at what's happening, but it's not a lot of people are saying it, you know, right. so it's kind of a conversation. Well, if 
your health as a mother, if your health, your relationships, your relationship with your husband, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with money, your relationship with business, your relationship with whatever is not a priority. And the only priority is in this example, your daughter. Right. May I ask when your daughter expires, when does it flip for her? And right. she is no longer important. Right. And they, now her job to make all those sacrifices is at 20. Like, does she get, does she get to be the center of the world until 20, 25? Right. Because at some point, they are not going to be the center of the world. Correct. And our current, and I mean, nearly everyone I know, right? Our current parenting is modeling that she is the center of the world. I have no idea who I want my children to marry. If they get married or in their long-term relationships, because, oh my gosh. I, I, I There was a mother, I was talking to her, I was at a baseball tournament for my son until 10.30 or 11 the night before Mother's Day. Okay, so it's a Mother's Day tournament because I guess the gift to all these mothers is that they were going to be at the ball field. Right. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. And I was, yeah, I needed to clean my house, go to the grocery. I was having my own mother to honor my own mother over. Right. right? So it wasn't even about me, even though it could have been because it was Mother's Day. It could have been about me, right. but it wasn't even about me. It was about me honoring my mother. Right. I think my grandmother was coming too, but it was like, and I remember talking to another mom. And she said, you know, I said, is anyone else concerned that we're here so late the day before Mother's Day? Does anyone else have things that they have to do tomorrow? And I, it's not about me. It's about my son. And if he wants to play ball, then that's, you know, he should be able to play ball and do what he wants. And it's not about me. And I was like, well, please, if my daughter ever dates your son, if that's how your family operates and everything revolves around him, please never let him go on a date with my daughter. Right. Right. So you see some of like, what is it? You know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? You know, we're not even in the conversation on personality disorders. We're not even talking about the stream, extreme helicopter parenting right. that those kids are about to come into adulthood. Like. Right. You're probably wasn't that bad as what's yeah. happening now. And and it's sad because that mom is not a bad mom. She's trying to do right by her child. Of course. I think all mothers right? try to do right by their children. And I won't say all. I no, won't say all. Not all. Because I hear really terrible stories. But many are, right? Exactly. <laughs> no. But like I remember I remember when my son, they had this big ceremony for when he graduated from middle school to high school. And I sat there and I went through all the things and I, I did everything that everybody, you know, I, there may have been a sign in the front yard, you know, whatever. But after it was all over, I looked at him and he was, we were doing pictures with him and his, his best friend. And I go, just so you know, you two have not accomplished anything. For sure. For sure. You are sure. supposed to go to high school. You are supposed to finish eighth grade and move to ninth grade. They're like, mom. And I'm like, I need to bring you back down to earth because this is not a huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay. I believe in today's world, you're expected to graduate high school. Yes. Did I throw him a high school graduation party? Absolutely. Is it a huge accomplishment? Not really. No, no. Graduate no. from college, get through college yeah. and graduate. Now that's a big accomplishment. And I've always kind of brought him down like that. Like, you did great today, but this isn't like, this is nothing. Because, mm -hmm. you know, and I was a little bit of an older mom. Then he was born right before I turned 35, which isn't old, but 
most of my friends that have kids the same age are five, 10 years younger than me. And um, that's just not how I was raised. And when you get into the real world, it's a huge slap in the face when you realize that nobody, and I'm going to, I rarely swear, nobody gives a shit about you. I rarely, I rarely, I rarely curse when I'm doing my podcast, but nobody gives a shit about you. Nobody cares. Mm -hmm. It's not about you. And at some point, our children have to have that awakening and they have to have that realization because otherwise these parents are going to be taking care of. That's why you wonder why you have so many 30 year olds sitting in their parents' basement, not working, playing video games. That's exactly why. Exactly. So when you think about how many people I know, most of my clients are in their fifties and sixties. Okay. A few in their forties, but fifties, sixties. So like we haven't, cause I, what I hate when people say is, well, girls are better at standing up for themselves now. So we're not going to have as many toxic relationships. Like we don't even have to like worry. Like the conversation is over because now we're talking about boundaries and people pleasing. And so we don't have to worry. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> what? Right. You know, we, we are literally teaching people. And there's some, you know, I have a, in my course, I have, you know, is self-care selfish? There, there are pieces. Mm-hmm. There are some people who need to be more selfish and there are some people who need to be less selfish, right? Right. Just like there are some people who need to learn to be more organized and some people who need to let some things go, right? Like we right. are losing that balance. And so it is <laughs> learning how to be toxic person proof is the, is the key to happiness is to me is the key to productivity. Uh, and people say, what's your favorite time saving hack? I'm like, Oh, understanding toxic people and they say why and i say how much time have you wasted sitting at lunch with your girlfriends why do you think she did that why do you think this person did that to me why do you think i acted that way why do you think he didn't call me back like i mean all these things you know or hoping let me just change my behavior in hopes of changing this person's behavior let me change you know who i am to try to it's just terribly unproductive terribly unproductive um so yeah i don't think this topic is going to be going away anytime soon no. so let's talk about your book what what prompted you to write this book becoming a toxic person proof yes so with becoming toxic person proof i was the world's biggest people pleaser i was actually a pastor's daughter of a of a very large church who my dad was with for 30 years right so um, all that community, you know, all those people I was very, very close to. Um, and in some ways, being a people pleaser worked within that community. You know, it, was, it worked. I was very nice and kind and all those sorts of things, which is good. I still want to be those things. Um, and then I thought about getting a divorce. Okay. And it was as if I had a permission slip that I was needing everyone to sign off on. Mm. Is it okay with you? Is it okay with you? Is it okay with you? You know, and I was in the category of if I had stayed in that marriage, I would not have considered myself a good mother. Mm-hmm. I'll say it that way, you know, and that's where you said, you know, many people, you know, and I had no business in introducing my young children to the version of me that was in that marriage. Mm-hmm. My yeah. hair was falling out. I wasn't healthy. I was depressed. I, just shut down all the time. I couldn't speak up for myself. I blacked out while driving from stress. Mm. No drugs, no alcohol. I just blacked out in the car 
with a friend. She had to grab the wheel. It's lucky no one is dead. Like, if I had tried to parent from that version of myself that was mm-hmm. so broken, right. just broken. Right. There's no other word for what was happening. Um, that would have, that is not the parent I wanted to be. And so I was really choosing, are you okay with me getting a divorce over my children? Mm. And in a religious community, are you okay with me getting a divorce? There's very few people willing to sign that permission slip. Right. <laughs> They're going to say, no, we're not okay with that. Right. right? Um, and then they were guilting me. I actually had a, a religious counselor tell me that um, we went to counseling the first 15 minutes of counseling. And he said, do you consider yourself a Christian? I said, yes. And he said, well, the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. So here we are 15 minutes into the very first counseling session after 10 years of marriage. And if you're not, if you're willing to let the sun go down on your anger tonight, then I really have to ask if you're, you're really not a Christian. So we just need to like start our counseling session with saying you're not a Christian for, I mean, it was horrific. Yeah, of course it is to have somebody say that to you. was so not trauma-informed. They had no idea what they were talking about. I mean, they I actually got them fired. One of the proud accomplishments of my life, they, so they could not do that to anyone else. I had a different biblical counselor, and he said that I was personally whipping Jesus with a cat of nine tails and putting him on a cross for going through with the divorce. So people say, have you been in a toxic relationship? I'm like, well, what kind? How many? <laughs> How, how many do you want me to describe, right? And um, those those were terribly, terribly, terrible things that those men did to me and me trying to get help in this situation. Yes. Very, um, very much so. Yeah, it was just... Because you don't... It, it's just... I, I don't want this to turn into a religious conversation. Right, yes, but yes. <laughs> when you are in that... It, it, just, it just wasn't fair to you and your beliefs... And from somebody from somebody in a position of power to, to use yes. that against you is just wrong. And I know that my God would never have approved of that. And that's the point. I mean, quite yeah. honestly, I had to get to the point where I was like, okay, either God is good or God doesn't want me living like this. And if God does want me to live like this, then God isn't good. And who cares? I mean, that's the point I got to in, right. in the, my decision making of just like, Okay, these people can't be right. And and going back to the integrity of what what type of integrity am I going to have in my parenting, in my health when I'm literally blacking out completely sober while driving? Like at some would I, would I have killed someone? Would would they have signed right. off on my permission slip then? Right. If I killed someone driving from stress, would they be willing to sign off on my permission slip so I could do what I think is right for my kids? And the answer is no, they would not have. Yeah. Right. So I just had to move on, right? And that's where this book is. It's about, I'm still a kind person. I'm still a forgiving person. I'm still a nice person. I still want to give people chances. And I know you say you don't hardly, I'll cuss on your podcast since you hardly ever do, if if I may. And a lot of the conversation around dealing with toxic people is kind of bitchy behavior. You know, it's this really like- I'm going to power over you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm going to, and, you know, I I want to give people the option of being sweet but strong and also savvy. And standing up for yourself can be in, you know, in wisdom and integrity and strategy. 
it doesn't have to turn into this bitchy force of you can't tell me what to do. I'm a grown-ass woman. You can't tell me what to do. I mean, I hate that. It sounds like we're all teenagers again, <laughs> right? It's like, where can yeah. we just align with our integrity and align with joy and like, this is who you are. This is who I am. You, I cannot, I can no longer support the behavior you are exhibiting. I hoped you would change. You did not. And I cannot align with my integrity and still continue in this relationship, right? That is where I want people, I want more people to land um, and not just feel like the only option is turning into a, you know, really what I would call a spirit of fear, right? They're, they're afraid. So they're trying to power over and kind of get in the first punch so you can't get to them. And that's not who I want to be at all and not who I want to teach others to become. Yeah. And like, like for me, when, when I see toxic person, what I think of initially is just that friend who always sees the glass as half empty. Mm-hmm. Everything is a problem. Everything is a dilemma. Everything is drama. And it sucks the blood out of you like a vampire. So my second book is Problem Solved, Simple Habits for Complex Decisions. Mm. So that is the, the, it's coming out September, 2022. And that is a learning a new language. So when people think that I work with toxic people, they assume I am listening to people vent or complain or whine about the other people in their life. They assume that is what I do, right? That is nowhere close to what I do. And um, teaching them a language of problem solving, like to this friend, well, you know, it sounds like, you're pretty unhappy, is that right? Yes. You know, may I may I tell you the problems I see? Would that be okay with you? You know, you would ask them permission, not take ownership over their problem. Um, but start to develop a language of problem solving and becoming a person of problem solving so that you're not getting... Because those conversations, there's a research from Stanford that says, um, if you listen to that for 30 minutes a day, it is shrinking your brain. Oh, not only that, it just pulls you down. It pulls your energy absolutely. levels down. Absolutely. But what's happening in businesses? Mm-hmm. Pulling it down. What's happening in other situations is pulling it down, right? It yeah. is an energy suck into our world mm-hmm. um, that I just developed in my coaching practice this really interesting language on what problem are you trying to solve? Is that your problem to solve or someone else's problem to solve? Okay. Uh, I, and I, a phrase I use talking about spaghetti problems, right? In my life, when I was a pastor's daughter trying to decide to get a divorce, my ex's family actually worked for the church too, to make it even more fun and complicated. Um, you know, so it was, and then I actually was leading music at the church. It was a very short period of time. But at the time, I was leading music at the church for a very large church. It sounds like small, but it wasn't. And, um, you know, that's a spaghetti problem. It's very interwoven. If I do this, all the pasta is going to fall off the plate. If I pull this, all the pasta is going to fall. And it did. I mean, it, it, it did fall off the plate, right? Um, but sometimes we have people complain who are, feel very toxic because they don't know where to start on their problem. Right. Some people just want to complain because that's their hobby. And others, they literally don't know where, what noodle to pull first to avoid their life falling apart. And that's what I wanted to give people a language of, okay, how do we move past being good listeners, right? 
because we have had this all this conversation about being emotionally intelligent, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Until it isn't, which means let me spew my emotions and never get to the practical problems to solve that actually create change in my life. Right. Yes. Right? Yes. And everything has an opposite and unintended reaction, right? So used to, we never talked about feelings. And then now it's like, we're talking about our feelings, but never getting to solutions. So then the next year, you're still upset about it. And the next year after that, you're still upset about it. And the next year after that, you're still upset about it. And it's like, man, there's got to be a better way. Uh, so, and, and as leaders, right? You know, maybe that's a friend or maybe it's an employee who keeps complaining about the same things over and over again. Right. And I think good leaders are good listeners and great leaders help others become master problem solvers. Mm. And yes. you start to see really quickly, this person has no interest in ever solving any problem. They are using me as a you know, um, an emotional scratching post, like a cat coming and just scratching me, scratching me. And they walk away feeling better. And I walk away, I, I'm bleeding. And I'm trying to be a good leader and good listener. Right. Now, do you think people like that are just so comfortable with that type of the way they show up in the world? They're just so comfortable with constantly complaining. And that's why they never look past, um, problem solving because that's too uncomfortable for them. They're so comfortable sitting in their ickiness all the time. And in order to really solve problems, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's like an area where people don't want to go. It's too uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Sure. I can talk about my feelings all day, but I don't want to do anything about it because that's just too uncomfortable. And it's a both and conversation, right? There are absolutely people um, in toxic people. You have the victim and the hero. Right. Okay. A toxic victim, I can't do anything. You need to help me. You need to make me, you know, that's that. And then the hero is like, you're stupid. I'm smart. You should listen to me. Right. So, and what's confusing is they can switch back and forth to like one second they're telling you how to run your life and then they're complaining about how terrible their life is. And then that's very confusing. So some people are just toxic and they have no interest in ever doing anything, and they're using you as an emotional scratching post, right? Right. Then there are people who legitimately are overwhelmed. Right. Who they don't know how to separate their emotional from their practical problems to solve. They don't know how to move forward. And it's really hard to tell the difference, right, in in some of those situations. And so that's why I'm so passionate about this new book and giving, you know, people a language to differentiate. Right. And both to protect you so that you're you're not becoming an emotional scratching post and both to, you know, help the people who want to be helped. Right. Right. This has been such an amazing conversation, Sarah. And um, we could probably talk about this for hours, but I think if we did, we would lose some listeners. So what else would you like to share with the audience before we finish up today? Yeah. Um, find people who are comfortable taking turns at the top of the pyramid. Mm. And uh, as a pastor's kid, which I didn't mean to talk about all that today, but as a pastor's kid, I was going to hospitals, right? There were a lot of sick people. I'd have to go as a kid and visit sick sick people. And as an adult in studying toxic relationships, I read an article about visiting people in the hospital and say there's someone with cancer, okay? 
So the person with cancer should be at the top of the pyramid. They should be the most, they should be the one receiving comfort, okay? Then you have the family, and the family should be the second most important person in the room, and they should, you should be giving comfort. And then you have the guests, okay? The guests should be at the bottom of the pyramid, only giving comfort to the, to the people who are suffering. But what happens in those situations is often the people who are sick or who have family members are sick are trying to make the guest feel better about their situation. Like, oh, it's not that bad. Oh, you know, I'm making it. Oh, you know, they don't they don't want to bother anyone. So it's this right. very awkward dynamic. And so I read that article as an adult and it just I was like, yes, that's exactly what happens in hospital. All those hospital visits. But we can use that in family dynamics too, right? And if in my family, if I have a child who's always at the top of the pyramid and everything in the family revolves around that child, that creates an unhealthy dynamic. Okay. Right. If I have a spouse and everything revolves around, I'm very happily married now. If everything in our family revolves around my husband, something's off about that, right? That's not, that's not a healthy functioning dynamic. And I've heard so many toxic relationships stories where the toxic person ruins birthdays. Like say it's my birthday and the toxic person ruins my birthday. Even on my birthday, I can't be at the top of the pyramid. They always have to be the most important person mm -hmm. in the situation, whether they're telling me what to do or telling me how terrible their life is. Um, so in really healthy dynamics, cultures, relationships, family structures, people are comfortable taking turns. Sometimes it's right. my turn. Sometimes it's not my turn and both are okay. Right. It's a give and take. Absolutely. And if somebody's 40 and they have been hearing since they were four years old, at least four, that they should be taking turns and they are 40 and don't know how to take turns, the chances of that person changing, I would not bet a dollar on it. I would not bet a dollar. It's, it's not going to happen. Well, people have to want to change. Sure. Period. You know, unless they get to a point where they're so miserable that they, you know, and sometimes people never get there, unfortunately. It, yeah, some people change when they hit rock bottom. But if I'm always getting the good end of the deal and my whole life is involved and everyone's serving me, I, I want to always be the person in the bed with the, not with cancer because I had a very close family member who just went for a cancer screening today. I'm not insulting you know, the cancer process, just using that as an example. If they always want to be the most important, if they always want to be, you know, the victim, if they always want to be the one getting away with things, those people just don't want to change. Like, right. I, 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 there is not. You know, the people who usually want to change are the people who finally get so sick of putting up with it. And then they are the ones who change and make movement in their lives, not... It's the unselfish people usually get to their breaking point. It's not the selfish people don't get to their breaking point. Oh, I can totally see that because I know I'm also a recovering people pleaser. And mm -hmm. and I think I do a pretty good job today of balancing that, you know, the give and the take and everything, but because I wouldn't allow people to take care of me. It was just, you know, wanting to take care of everybody and um, and it's a, it gets exhausting. <laughs> As it should. Yeah. Again, it should. speaking terms, that yeah. family structure, that relationship structure, sometimes it's your turn, sometimes it's my turn. Sometimes it's yep. your turn, sometimes it's my turn. And if we're in a relationship where we think, oh, I'm some type of saint, going back to religion, I'm some type of saint because it's never my turn. 
that's helping the people in our life to be the worst version of themselves, which is not something that I can align with. Right. Now, Sarah, this has been so great. Where can people find you? They can check out my website, sarahkramsey.com. They can check out my podcast, Toxic Person Proof. And um, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but they're welcome to pick out my book, uh, pick up my book, Becoming Toxic Person Proof, and then Problem Solved, Simple Habits for Complex Decisions and Helping the People in Your Life Make Decisions, like the Complaining Friend, will be out September 2022. Fantastic. Sarah, thank you so much. This was such an important conversation that needs to be had, (laughs) for sure. Thank you. I just loved that conversation and I would love it even more if you could just take one thing that you learned today in our conversation and apply it to your life right now. So thank you so much for listening. As always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.